0: Welcome to the 2018 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Radio 1500 AM, proudly celebrating 13 years. Today's episode brings you cybersecurity, defense, and homeland. Here's your host, Tom Tamman.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to our first show of 2018, brand new year, brand new topic. I'm Tom Temen. Our topic today is the critical issues facing the federal government with respect to cybersecurity. Uh, we have a bunch of leaders in securing the cyberspace with us today. Let me tell you who our guests are today. Brigadier General Maria Barrett is Deputy Director of Current Operations, J3, at the U.S. Cyber Command. Welcome. Jeff Eisensmith is Chief Information Security Officer at the Homeland Security Department. Ron Pontius, Deputy to the Commanding General at the Army's Cyber Command. Dr. Teresa Lang, Deputy Director of the Cyber Security Division at the Department of the Navy. Craig Bowman is Vice President and Managing Director of Advanced Communications at Verizon Business Solutions. John Davis is Vice President and Chief Security Officer for Federal at Palo Alto Networks. And Tom Topping, Vice President for Strategic Programs at FireEye Public Sector. Good to have you all today and why don't we get right to it. Let's begin by reviewing the year in cybersecurity, if you would, and talk about some of the progress uh, that you have made in your agency on the cyber front, with the understanding that the problems you faced at the beginning of last year have probably switched to the problems you're facing at the beginning of this year. But let's talk about last year and what good has happened.
2: Well, I would probably highlight two things, Tom. Um, First of all, as you know, we we are still growing uh, the cyber mission forces, and so our goal of being complete with that at the uh, end of this fiscal year, so in October, um, we should be 100 percent. So we're at 95 percent right now and on track to complete that. The other thing is um, Joint Force Headquarters, DODIN, whose mission it is to defend our DOD networks and really synchronize all the defensive mitigations going on in the the Department of Defense, they also achieved um, full operational capability this year. And so um, I'll talk a little bit about that uh, in a bit. Um, And then lastly, um, a lot of work has been done to implement a cyber accepted service Uh, program for our civilians. Um, Thanks to Congress, this has been a multi-year effort to stand up the cyber accepted service program. Um, And so we'll be asking some of our current employees to move from the traditional competitive civil service program to uh, a non-competitive one. And this will really give us the flexibility in hiring and promoting personnel so we can attract and retain the best and brightest uh, in this high demand field. And then what these will all do to combine is really um, operationally, you know, our cyber protection teams, they are all out on mission doing a myriad of different types of missions. Um, They are in demand, which I think speaks of the outcomes that they're delivering for people. Uh, Joint Force Headquarters, DODIN, um, is doing a fantastic job of synchronizing everything in the Department of Defense. A lot of work to do there, but they are um, light years ahead of um, where they were a year ago. And all of that, I'm very, very proud of all the effort of the service components and everyone in in, uh, the effort they've made to defend our networks this past year. So the
1: human capital front is really where you've made a lot of progress. Yes, absolutely. Okay, Jeff. Um, So I'd say
3: (coughs) perhaps the biggest challenge I've faced in years has always been that that the, the DHS was stood up in 2002. It was pulled from a bunch of different departments and agencies and coddled, coddled together. Trying to get that to one single mission focus, trying to get to one common cybersecurity operational picture, it's been a big challenge uh, because I had a cornucopia of security tools across all those agencies. And what didn't I want? A cornucopia of security tools for all those agencies. So uh, we were able to leverage continuous diagnostics and, and mitigation program to maximum. So we basically did what DOD had, and I was very jealous of, and that is having a common operating picture because you share the same tools in place. It gives the department the ability to surge. So if I have a a problem in one component, I I now have the ability to surge from others. Um, That combined with all the metrics that come with that, and using that in the intrusion defense chain. Lockheed Martin came up with a cyber kill chain. This is basically the the, the DHS version. So last year, um, the IDC came to fruition at the enterprise level. We were able to gather a lot of incredible metrics, which helps us do innovative things like really good business cases for investment that show this is an area that's historically been weak and we need to make the investment. So really powerful.
1: All right, so winnowing down those tools and getting better use out of them by sharing them across the components really is a, you call that an increase in efficiency for for dealing with cyber threats.
3: It's efficient,
1: it's also very
3: cost effective, Um, and being able to leverage the enterprise license agreements, getting to a place where we're acting more like a department than a, a loosely configured confederation of agencies was
1: really big.
4: Okay, Ron Pontius of the Army. Yes, so 2017 I think is, has been a really significant year. You can really look at, uh, we've made tremendous progress in many ways, uh, but when you uh, balance that against the dynamic changing nature of technology and the ever-evolving threat, uh, you can say, uh, what's the relative there? But I'd just like to highlight on the progress, three technology areas and three people areas. On the technology area, the Army's continuing to drive on its network modernization and improving the network posture uh, for improving mission effectiveness, enhancing cybersecurity, and hopefully do it more efficiently, particularly the joint regional security stacks to be able to give us a better defensive posture as we do a defense in depth of our, our networks, our data, and our systems. Additionally, we've rolled out um, some new technology with endpoint management, so we can actually see uh, all of our endpoints and understand their configuration, their patching status. We're well on the way on our unclassified networks, and we're continuing to work that on our cl- uh, on our classified. and 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 lastly, the Army, in direction with the Secretary of Defense, is pushing hard on upgrading all the Windows endpoints to be Windows 10. And we're approximately 80% of the way there as we closed out um, uh, 2017 to meet the mandate of being there by March 2018. On the people side, uh, really significant progress on standing up the cyber school at Fort Gordon, Georgia with our Cyber Center of Excellence, where we're now providing really relevant uh, near-term training for our, our cyber operators, both military and civilian. Additionally, enhancements in the Signal School on the normal operators of our networks, the Signal Corps officers. The second thing is, um, as we all know, it's a, it's a real competition for talent. So uh, the authority we have when we find high quality people on civilian side that we can do direct tire authority and bring them on board very quickly. We really appreciate that authority that that Congress and the larger office personnel management have given us and then a recent thing, Congress authorized a pilot program on- direct commissioning where we have specific- specific skill sets we can um, Find someone out in industry, academia that has those skill sets, and we can do a direct commissioning. We started that program just in the late 2017, um, and it's I, it's going to help us fill specific gaps. Yes, yeah, So technology and people a lot of yes. progress. Excellent, Craig.
5: Yeah. So listening to all three speakers before, I'll change my answer. I'll take what's behind door number two. Okay. So I think that you know, just listening to everybody, we have some of the same problems being a global, very complex network uh, with over 177,000 consumers, employees of data, as well as our customers. So a lot of the things you all have said, we've also had some of those advances. So I'll focus just on an area maybe where it wasn't said, which was over the past year, we've relaunched just about every one of our cyber capabilities. And the reason for that has been that the technology that we had last year and the way in which we're being attacked is so different and sophisticated that we've had to relaunch all of those capabilities, not only for ourselves as a global network, but also for our products that we take to market. And so if I look back at last year, that would probably be the the biggest leapfrog that we've had as a company. is just. And the biggest change in the products has been to modularize all of our capabilities because we have to be able to move faster against our adversaries. And a lot of the ways that the technology was built in the past didn't allow us the ability to move new vendors, new capabilities into our infrastructure quickly. And so by creating a modular way of going to market, we're now able to move those vendors in faster and respond to our adversaries a lot, a lot quicker.
1: So in relaunching these cyber capabilities, you switched out some partners that you work with on the cyber front, would that be fair Absolutely. to say? Absolutely. Okay, Dr. Lang from the Navy Department.
6: We've made a lot of progress in our technical standards. Uh, We have a technical authority board that writes up standards, very technical specifications, so that we have standardized protection across all the different domains of the Navy. And that sounds simple, but our domains are extremely broad. We go from undersea to on sea to space to C4I to, well, you just about name it, and Navy has something there. So this has been a huge undertaking, and it has allowed us to track the cybersecurity uh, progress that we've made in every one of those do- domains. And every six months, uh, the domain lead comes and briefs the, at the XCOM, and this is the VCNO RDA, and they tell them exactly what they have done to increase cybersecurity in every one of the areas that are in the cybersecurity framework that NIST put out. So we have an ongoing execution governance board that we keep going, and it allows us to move forward in the areas where we need to Mm -hmm. and to make sure that we have the right capabilities in the right areas. And we've also worked in these uh, accepted service. We're working to recode all of our billets and make sure that the people that need extra training get it. One of the other things that we've done introduced the uh, concept of an an enhanced user. And this is someone who doesn't need all of the cybersecurity training for their job, but they do need a higher level than the average user. So we're adding that into our coding of the billets to make sure that everyone gets exactly what they need. Okay,
1: we'll move to uh, John Davis from Palo Alto Networks.
7: Yeah, thanks, Tom. Like uh, some of the others, I'd like to talk very briefly about the three categories of people, processes, and technology. So on the people front, and most of these are nonprofit activities for the the company. We partnered uh, last year with the Girl Scouts to create 18 cybersecurity badges to increase diversity in the workforce and uh, introduce uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, to the, uh, uh, the girl population between K through 12. The first series of those badges will be coming out uh, next fall. We've been partnering with uh, Vets and Tech and uh, Virginia uh, Veterans Cyber Training Program to pro- provide free training and certification to veterans and in some cases their family members. We've put about uh, 90 to 100 of, uh, vets through the process this past year and, and have pledged to put 400 uh, up through uh, through uh, 2021. And uh, we also created in 2015, a free uh, book called Navigating the Digital Age. We partnered with the New York Stock Exchange and about three dozen other companies to, to author chapters. Uh, last year, we started the process for creating version two of navigating the digital age. And the target audience for this are board and C suite level leaders who need to understand what's going on in the cybersecurity environment. Uh, for process, probably the biggest thing that happened was uh, we're one of the founding members of the Cyber Threat Alliance. This is about uh, 16 to 18 uh, cybersecurity companies, all competitors, that have agreed to share cyber threat intelligence. Last year, last February, we created a nonprofit entity, uh, put Michael Daniel, uh, President Obama's cyber czar, uh, he's the CEO, and we created a, a platform that is automated and standardized so that all these companies can share cyber threat intelligence at scale and at speed. And then Does that threat intelligence gets shared
1: with the Homeland
7: Security Department? Uh, we provide, uh, our company provides, uh, we're members of the Automated Indicator Sharing Program at DHS as mm-hmm. well as the CISP Program, and we're partners with uh, other government sure. agencies in sharing, but the Cyber Threat Alliance uh, is, not, uh, is not in that program, at least not yet. Okay, so that's something you might want to look forward to the future. Sure, absolutely. All right.
1: Jeff, want to sure, follow say, up on that?
3: Um, uh, but we talk about that, I think one of the things DHS does, uh, and in particular U.S. cert is the body that usually feeds that alliance with anything that that DHS and the U.S. government can uncover will feed to them for sharing with the greater population.
1: Yeah, if you come across something big, it's going to get known
7: by the people it has to get known by, I guess would be safe to say. Yes. These information-sharing relationships essentially give you an over-the-horizon capability to see what's happening before it impacts you and then immunize yourself and your clients uh, much more effectively. Okay, Tom, topping FireEye.
8: We've uh, really been driven, when I look back in 2017, by two things. One is, where are our customers going and what are they asking us for? And two, what are the bad guys doing and how are they... Driving changes in in the way they operate, um, and and those things sort of come together. Our, our customers are asking us, how can we be more effective and more efficient, and and we're helping them in, in a variety of areas. Uh, uh, the obvious ones are cloud. So we've made a lot of our technology available on, on virtual appliances. Uh, we're working in SOC operations. Uh, there's a real challenge both at FireEye and uh, across the industry with respect to uh, capabilities. so uh, driving a, a lot of automation, uh, integrating intelligence, you know and enabling uh, uh, all the team members to uh, participate uh, effectively in the fight. Uh, and and the last is is endpoint. Uh, we've invested a lot in endpoint technology so that, the same tool, and this is just an example of, of integration and automation, but the same tool can do everything from endpoint AV all the way over to uh, defensive cyber operations and incident response. So, so it, we've been working that balance of how are the bad guys changing what they do and then what are our, our customers asking us for. Uh, another example is we've seen a, a pretty dramatic decrease in the amount of malware that the bad guys are using. They're, they're stealing credentials and they're moving around a network without any malicious software at all. So tools have to evolve to be able to detect those methods and, and techniques that the bad guys are using. So s- staying on top of all of that is, 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 uh, is where we're focused.
1: All right, a lot of the leadership has made a lot of progress on the human capital and the technology front and we've heard about this both at the endpoint level and at the network level. So, uh, I guess we should feel good about what's happened in the past year. And we're going to move on now to uh, we're going to move on now we're going to move on now to some of the cybersecurity priorities that you have for the coming year. Uh, we're almost at a break, so we'll get as far as we can and we'll take up that question after the break. But once again, uh, Brigadier General Maria Barrett, US Army Cyber Command, tell us what your priorities are coming up.
2: So I, I talked in the last segment about um, achieving full operational capability. So what happens after that? So we move on to sustaining and actually really looking at the readiness of our our teams. Um, so. I would say full operational capability um, was an organizational construct to measure the build and how well we were doing. And readiness will really be about how well prepared we are to do the mission. It's more complex, but I really feel it's a better measure of the operational status, and it'll give us better indicators of of areas where we might need to focus attention on and really fine-tune those teams. The second priority, I would say, um, where it deals with cybersecurity is, hey, this is not just about defending our networks, but it's also about defending our weapon systems, our platforms, and the data as well. And this is a fundamental culture shift from what we've been doing for years. Uh, We need to treat our networks as weapon systems. And all personnel are active participants in this process, and they can be held accountable. I think we really need to say to ourselves, it is no longer acceptable not to patch your systems, not to update your software. Um, and, And it's not okay to fail a cybersecurity inspection. There are consequences to these actions. Um, especially how networked we are, uh, it just—it's not okay for one for Jeff here to fail and us to succeed because we're interconnected. And then the third um, area is just improving integration on every front, um, whether we're talking about our integration uh, with our partners in industry and academia whether we're talking about integration from a mission standpoint, from defensive cyber operations and defending the DODIN, uh, integrating the National Guard and the Reserves, um, across all fronts, integration will be a key piece. And this is really going to be critical to increasing our decision speed and operational agility across the enterprise. Everybody benefits from increased integration.
1: All right, that's a good place to take a break on. You are listening to the Federal Executive Forum here on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM
0: and federalnewsradio.com. If you work at a federal agency, you face the threat of a cyber attack from adversaries every day. Yet the future of cyber assurance will be fought on the global backbone of network providers, not just at your firewall. Let Verizon be your trusted ally on the security battlefront. Verizon's cybersecurity services use insight and experience from managing our extensive global networks to help you cost-effectively detect, prevent, and respond to future attacks. Go to verizonenterprise.com slash federal for more information. Need to improve your time to prevent
9: never-before-seen threats? Automation is the key. With a rich U.S. government heritage, Palo Alto Networks understands the needs of its U.S. government customers. The federal government wants the fastest threat prevention, network-to-endpoint, cloud and SaaS environments. Come to Palo Alto Networks to get that prevention in as little as five minutes from the time a new threat is seen anywhere. For more on Palo Alto Networks Public Sector LLC, visit federalnewsradio.com and search Palo Alto Networks. FireEye is changing the way government
10: agencies defend against a new breed of cybercriminals. As today's threat landscape grows ever more complex, defending federal government agencies becomes increasingly challenging. FireEye combines world-class technology with an unrivaled global intelligence network and an expert team of cybersecurity consultants. FireEye helps government agencies find and stop advanced attacks that other security technologists can't even see, let alone stop. To learn more, visit FireEye.com. That's F-I-R-E-E-Y-E.com.
1: Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and FederalNewsRadio.com. I'm your host, Tom Temin. My guests today are Brigadier General Maria Barrett of the U.S. Army Cyber Command. Jeff Eisensmith is with Homeland Security as the Chief Information Security Officer. Ron Pontius with the Army Cyber Command. Dr. Teresa Lang with the Department of the Navy. Craig Bowman with Verizon Business Solutions, John Davis with Palo Alto Networks, and Tom Topping with FireEye Public Sector. And before the break, we were talking about priorities that the different agencies and vendors have for the coming year. And let's get to our next guest, Jeff Eisen, Eisen- Smith of DHS. Your—that's pro- really a big topic, the priorities for DHS in cybersecurity. Yes. But give us the uh, the short version as best you can. All right. So.
3: If you look at the external mission that DHS has as far as protecting the greater gov, um, one of the things that has me the most excited is continuous diagnostics and mitigation group F. And what they did was they said the micros and the small government agencies really don't have the gravitas to be able to defend themselves in this operational uh, environment. It's just not possible. You see the big boys at this table here and you understand this is, a, this is a heavyweight fight, right? And, and so uh, Group F is a cloud-based solution where DHS is able to offer um, a good set of strong defenses to the smalls and micros g- grouped together under that flag. I think that's going to be a big one for us.
1: So in so doing, you are really offering them a shared
3: service, if you will. Yes, this is exactly what this is. Now, inside of DHS itself, what I'm going for for, for my own goals uh, would be to leverage things like continuous diagnostics and mitigation on, on the inside. When I took on um, the helm five years ago, uh, people would tell me their scores and cyber scores on a piece of paper, which I found wholly unsatisfactory. So um, we always demanded everything had to come in scans. But when you get scanned data from a lot of different types of scanners. The data doesn't have fidelity. It doesn't have that granularity you need to be able to really understand what the environment looks like and where you need to make investments when your threat posture is someplace where you need to really kind of ratchet things up. And so CDM is going to get me to that to that place. Um, The dashboard will give me all the things I want. So for instance at my level I'll be able to see How the overall mission is going at the system owner's level they'll know whether their resources are being being expended correctly and the beauty of it is when the information system security officer he or she walks in that morning there'll be a screen up that says these are the five things you're going to prosecute the goodness today because they're right out in front right that's
1: invaluable yeah because that idea of finding and patching is easy to say it's really hard to do on a regular basis at scale of something like DHS, isn't it?
3: Sure, so this is going to give you the ability where, where that person will get a view of everything that's in their domain. So, <laughs> p- patching is one thing, but hey, where did these two boxes go? They were here yesterday, and what the heck is that thing? I don't know what that is. I'm going to go find it, right? That's the
1: level that really is actionable. Okay. Ron Pontius, Army priorities yeah, so for the coming year for
4: 20 for 2018. We're as I mentioned earlier, 2017. We're continue driving on our network modernization, our endpoint management uh, solutions, uh, our Windows 10 migrations, uh, those actions. But it really uh, built on one thing Craig said. What we're really finding is we have a proliferation of tools and Jeff talked about it also. And historically, we've, en- we've normally um, kind of owned the hardware and software and it really is technologies now where you, you, you absolutely need to be moving to as a service and be ready to move to the next capability that really can help you, right? And that's part of the culture we're, we're dealing with instead of us owning the boxes, but really partnering with industry and, and how do we really uh, take advantage of the the best technology of the tools at the best cost for us to do our mission. So that's an area that we're, we're driving on. And then another area is really understanding our environment and that's what we call cyber analytics. It's really leveraging the work we've done in the last couple of years with uh, big data analytics and, and that is because we have lots and lots of data uh, but it isn't necessarily being consumed in a way to really understand what is normal behavior versus what's anomalous behavior. So like what Tom talked about, yes it's absolutely it's, it's about stolen credentials in many ways and they look like authorized users but maybe they're the behavior they're doing is different, and so what we're really driving on is what we call cyber analytics, and that's a that's a major priority for 2018.
1: And that's a big data integration effort also to get those analytics that, that are useful. Yes. Okay, and uh, I was going to say too that with respect to looking for tools as a service, in many ways the department and DOD generally is shifting from cloud as the cyber threat to cloud as an enabler of better cybersecurity. Absolutely. All right, Craig Bowman, Verizon.
5: Yeah, so there are parts of each one of those, you know, all three answers so far that we have the same, right, because we're very similar in in complexity and size, there are elements that are the same. I think that if I were to summarize what I've heard and what we're experiencing is that our priority is gonna be on speed. So the, the data breach investigation report, if you look at the research that we've been collecting, it basically speaks to the time to detect is not is not improving. The time to remediate is not improving um, across the board, across the industry. The time to exfil data, unfortunately, is getting faster. That button, once somebody gets in, they're exfilling faster. And so, when I talked about modularization of the products, that's about reacting faster to the market. We recently made an, an announcement about an intent to purchase a company, and that's about the, the artificial intelligence and machine learning to speed up the processing of the analysts. Because the analysts are, you know, it, it speaks to uh, what, what General Barrett said about that the, the personnel themselves, once they get in, we, we forget the, f- the fact that we need them to stay a- ahead of the technology and the adversaries that are going against them. But they spend all their time in the day-to-day operating that they can't, they can't necessarily do that. So by automating and speeding up sort of the, the analysis of what those analysts are doing, it frees them up to focus on more complex issues. And what Jeff said is actually something we're spending a lot of our effort on, which is, and again, it's to increase speed, is to know the fidelity of the way in which we rank our risk in any particular area, whether it be a partner um, or whether it be our own network, so that we can react faster to the things that need to be reacted to, as opposed to treating everything as the same kind of threat. Yeah,
1: so it's easy to prioritize risks. It's hard to prioritize them in the correct order, in other words. Correct. Got it, okay. Dr. Lang from the Navy Department.
6: I think one of the most important things we're going to be looking at this year is how to make sure that we're building resilience into every one of our systems. Because with the adversaries that we have, they are skilled. And it's safer and tr- more true just to, just to make sure that we are assuming they're in the network. So we have to make sure that our systems can fight through a cyber contested environment. So resilience is a huge thing for us. Secondly, making sure that we're executing to our cyber security plans in each domain. The end goal of that is to reduce the attack surface of the Navy writ large. Uh, We're also working on RMF acceleration. And so far for the first three steps, we've been able to risk management framework. Got it, okay making sure that all of our systems meet specific criteria for security. And we have been able to cut um, the timeline for the first three steps by 94% so far. Mm -hmm. So we are looking at increasing that this year.
1: And does all of this effort also extend to the unmanned and autonomous systems that the Navy is increasingly deploying?
6: Cybersecurity has to go across all domains whether it's a control system, a weapon system, or a business system. So this cybersecurity is done differently depending on what kind of system it is, but it has to cover everything.
1: Okay, John Davis, what are the priorities for the coming year at Palo Alto?
7: In a word, cloud, uh, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but every government agency is, e- is either moving to the cloud or trying to figure out how to get there as quickly as possible. And because it's, it's more efficient, it's more effective, and if done correctly, we're finding that it's even more secure. And uh, from our perspective, there are three different uh, aspects of this. One, uh, security of the cloud. That's a cloud service provider responsibility, and they're getting very, very good at that these days. Uh, Number two, security in the cloud. And this is a shared responsibility between the cloud service provider and the organization. Uh, with things like SaaS applications, you, an organization is still responsible for securing their data, even though the application and the infrastructure are secured by another party. So coordination between part, all parties involved with security in the cloud is, is critical. And then finally, security from the cloud. Companies like mine are sitting on a tremendous amount uh, petabytes of, of uh, threat telemetry indicators of compromise. And the ability to leverage our uh, insight and automate the ability to see a threat, quickly discover a threat through suspicious behavior, render a decision, and then automate the the push of security controls out to our client base from the cloud is, uh, is, is our model for keeping up with a very highly automated threat.
1: Sure, so I guess, and for agencies in the cloud and using the cloud, I guess the the number of instances of virtualized machines that they have all over the place, including networks and other resources besides applications that are increasingly being virtualized, does that increase the complexity of tracking of the threats that might be occurring in, to the same piece of property that's replicated in various geographical areas?
7: What we're seeing is that, yes, that it does increase the complexity, and it gives the threat a tremendous advantage, unless you have consistent security in all these different environments. And And organizations are moving today from fixed to mobile, from physical to virtual, from on-prem to the different types of cloud, public, private, hybrid, and even SaaS. And these different types of environments really complicate a network defenders' responsibilities. So what we're seeing as one of the keys to success is being able to apply consistent security across all those environments to be able to see the threat and stop the threat somewhere along the, the kill chain, as, as Jeff mentioned earlier. Okay. Tom Topping, FireEye, priorities for 2018.
8: Well, what I'm going to say is really going to touch on some of the common themes that we've heard this morning at the very highest level our, our customers are driving us to be both more efficient and more effective uh... general barrett uh... mentioned integration and we're seeing a lot of uh... demand from the customers and needs internally to integrate multi-vendor environments to integrate cyber intelligence into into platforms uh... to to integrate all over the place um, and uh, on the efficiency side uh, organizations are realizing that they have to move much faster so how do you how do you really know what to pay attention to when there is so much noise in the in the environment so uh, uh, within the company that's really what we're doing at, at the highest level there's a myriad of examples of each but enabling our customers to be flexible to be fast and to do it efficiently is uh, is our mission
1: Okay, I want to move on to uh, how you're going to fulfill these priorities in the coming year, which means the question will be, you know, what are the challenges that you see ahead and maybe what are the lessons learned from previous years that can inform your response to the challenges that you do see ahead. And Dr. Lang, I guess we'll start with you.
6: I think one of our biggest challenges is going to be making sure that we have a Standardized level of security across all of our domains. When we go from submarines to ships to satellites, it's very different and it's challenging to make sure that we have the right kind of cybersecurity in place for each of those and that in doing so, we reduce the overall attack surface without creating any more holes. That will be one of our issues. I think the second one is determining how to quantify what we get from our cybersecurity products and how that affects the mission assurance that we have. Are we putting things and solutions in place that actually help mission assurance? Not just cybersecurity, but mission assurance. And we have to figure out a way to quantify the the trade-offs so that we have mission assurance as number one. I think those are probably the biggest things that we're going to be looking at. And as for lessons learned, I think our biggest lesson learned has been make sure you have strong governance in place and make sure that governance includes accountability. And if you have that in place, the culture change, although not easy, does work easier than expected. So that's our our big takeaway.
1: All right. Interesting. What are the takeaways for you, Major uh, Brigadier? I just promoted you, Brigadier General Merritt. <laughs> Who knows? You know, you participate here. Lots of good things have happened. So well, you, you never just know.
2: Want me to come back? We, we want you to come
1: back. back. However many stars you have. Uh, what are some of the priority challenges that you have, and what? How might the lessons learned have uh, have uh, helped you with those?
2: Yeah, Tom, uh, you know, I think as as much as we have made improvements in this particular area I'm going to talk about, there is still a long way to go, and that is really the ability to see ourselves. Um, this should be an effortless task, and it is not. Um, but we have a number of initiatives this year that will get after that. Um, when you
1: say see ourselves, you mean?
2: You know, to be able to see the terrain, and, and so I'll explain. Um, in no other warfighting domain, land, sea, or air, would we accept imperfect information about the battle space? Mm-hmm. You know, I would not go to a Joint Task Force commander and say, Well, I think that area is mostly clear of friendly forces before he starts the operation. I would be fired. Um, he needs to know definitively before he he conducts an operation. So the ability to see ourselves is is essential to the risk management, proactively implementing defensive measures, and also doing incident response. So it scales everything in the defensive. uh, And this really also is to the speed that Craig talked about. If we're going to retain operational agility, we just really have, this has to be done at the the. Best level that we can do it Um, and then kind of that's inside our foxhole and then we also have to take a look outside of our foxhole and so the global nature of everything that we're doing um, is really uh, essential and if we we really want to do this well we have to understand that something that happens um, in one place in the globe really is not um, irrelevant if we're on the other side of the globe, uh, because it has the ability to move. Um, Somebody who is tracking a sub of a particular nation might see it in the Pacific um, and doesn't really worry about it showing up in the next hour in the Atlantic. And so we really have to start focusing on what is going on outside of our foxhole just as much as we focus on what's going on inside. And then probably the next challenge, even though we are making some strides to address these issues, is on the um, retention and recruitment of talent. And this isn't just talking about ourselves, but I think the shortage of real cybersecurity uh, professionals in this space is a problem for everybody at this table. Um, And so the fact that there are shortfalls in the private sector really exacerbates everybody's uh, challenge. And so, I, I think that will be something we will continue to work at, um, in you know, in spite of some of the initiatives we're we're putting in place.
1: Okay, Jeff at Homeland Security, the biggest challenges, and what are the lessons learned that might help you meet them?
3: Let me, riff. Let me just do a little riff off of Maria's comment about personnel. Uh, it is going to be a big problem going forward. It has been a problem. It, it, that's 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 been in the past. It's going to continue to be. Um, we DHS now has um, some cyber security re- uh, uh, retention pay policy and uh, getting the funding for that is one of the priorities that I th- that I have uh, beyond that, one of the biggest problems we have is is just the fact that the adversary is incredibly nimble uh, they don't have to consult with lawyers they don't have to follow policy um, they can go with whatever is the hottest uh, stick that is available so uh, in order to get In front of that, um, knowing what the environment is, right, so getting to that granularity and having fidelity and having a cybersecurity common operating picture really is going to loom large. Uh, So for me, the plan this year, as it was last year, is to continue the deployment of CDM within, within the department. One of the things we're doing, too, is we have developed a cybersecurity maturity model. What that's doing is it helps us to figure out where the next dollar is gonna be best spent. Uh, and when you take metrics like from the kill chain, where you identify, these are what the advanced adversaries are doing, and you thread that through that maturity model, you're able to do very targeted investment um, to, to, to make your defenses a lot more robust. So we'll, So we'll be continuing with that.
1: All right, good place to take a break on. You are listening to the Federal Executive Forum here on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com.
10: FireEye is changing the way government agencies defend against a new breed of cyber criminals. As today's threat landscape grows ever more complex, defending federal government agencies becomes increasingly challenging. FireEye combines world class technology with an unrivaled global intelligence network and an expert team of cybersecurity consultants. FireEye helps government agencies find and stop advanced attacks that other security technologists can't even see, let alone stop. To learn more, visit FireEye.com. That's
9: F I R E E Y E.com. Need to improve your time to prevent never-before-seen threats? Automation is the key. With a rich U.S. government heritage, Palo Alto Networks understands the needs of its U.S. government customers. The federal government wants the fastest threat prevention, network-to-endpoint, cloud and SaaS environments. Come to Palo Alto Networks to get that prevention in as little as five minutes from the time a new threat is seen anywhere. For more on Palo Alto Networks Public Sector LLC, visit federalnewsradio.com
0: and search Palo Alto Networks. If you work at a federal agency, you face the threat of a cyber attack from adversaries every day. Yet the future of cyber assurance will be fought on the global backbone of network providers, not just at your firewall. Let Verizon be your trusted ally on the security battlefront. Verizon's cybersecurity services use insight and experience from managing our extensive global networks to help you cost-effectively detect, prevent, and respond to future attacks. Go to verizonenterprise.com federal for more information.
1: Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum here on federalnewsradio.com and Federal News Radio 1500 AM. I'm your host, Tom Temin. And before the break, we were talking about some of the challenges ahead in the coming year and some of the lessons learned that might help you meet them with respect to cybersecurity. Let's continue with Ron Pontius of the Army.
4: Yeah, so I I agree. uh, We have similar challenges of what many other panelists have said, but the one I want to highlight is is the culture. It's very clearly at the Department of Defense level, Secretary of Defense and the senior leadership of the Army, that cybersecurity is a high priority and we absolutely need to move forward. But it's taking time. And it really is about how do we get the culture to be very much about cybersecurity like we have a culture of physical security. People don't walk past doors that are open. They don't, they don't not put things away. And so we have to really evolve it. But some of this is gonna be also, how do you balance the capability versus having mission assurance? And that's a discussion. There's gonna be some trade-offs. You can't have everything, but things need to work, and I need to, be have, I need to have confidence it's gonna be there uh, when it's under attack. So the whole thing is the evolution, continued evolution of the culture. And again, we have tremendous uh, direction and support from the Army leadership, but that will take time.
1: Okay, so people, again, yes. is, your, is always the weak link, I guess, in many of these uh, situations. And uh, Craig Bowman from Verizon, give us a brief idea of the challenges ahead from the corporate standpoint?
5: Sure, if we look at the White House IT Modernization Report, it's actually speaking to what all three panelists have just said, and it's also what we're focused on, which is that report comes out and it talks about the fact that we treat all data the same, and as such, we build systems that are incredibly complex, which get in the way of mission. And so it's trying to find a way to say, hey, can we look at data differently? Can we look at high value assets? Can we build systems that are modular enough? to allow us to have cybersecurity in a way that will increase speed of mission. Um, and what General Barrett said about the global nature of data, we have the same, we have the same concerns as a global network. 70, 80% of the internet touches our IT backbone every day. Um, what, what Jeff said about making the right investments at the right time, we're doing the same thing uh, within Verizon. Uh, and then moving that into creating a, or finding a balance between investments you make what you're seeing in that global network, so that you're not, um, you're not inhibiting mission by putting so much security into stuff that then people can't get their jobs done. That's probably the biggest challenge, not just that all of us have, but I think that the industry has.
1: All right, and uh, why don't we also hear from FireEye, Tom
8: Topping, the big challenges. The biggest challenge is every organization really is after mitigating the impact of these cyber attacks to itself. The cost, the expense, the impact operations. And the hardest problems are figuring out what's going on and what to do about it at the very highest level. So
1: situational awareness.
8: Situational awareness. So uh, on the what's going on side, it might be tactical, like who's attacking me now and what are they after? Um, Or of the million alerts, what do I pay attention to? On the more strategic side, it's who are the global threat actors and what motivates them? And uh, FireEye works hard on that uh, as well. You know, uh, uh, I'll reference back to the 2013 Mandy and APT1 report. You know, working at the strategic level with respect to to, to what's happening in the world. Um, on the on the what do we do about it side, um, you know, there's a the, there's a very uh, a very big problem of of trying to figure out exactly what is the next best dollar to spend right there there's a there's there's all kinds of of investments to make so one of the things that that we do is we help our customer organizations um understand uh risk and and understand uh risk mitigation strategies and that's a that's a very strategic thing that that we're doing on the mandiant consulting side so so both of those the the what's going on and the what do we do about it have a range of uh, uh, tactical to s- strategic stuff. and so that's risk
1: mitigation is a dynamic process that you have to constantly revisit depending on the current threat situation and evolution of, uh, of the tools. Absolutely.
7: Okay, John Davis, Palo Alto. Challenges. Uh, yeah, Tom, when I go around and talk to the security professionals from our client base, here are the challenges that I hear from them. And we've, he- we've heard some of these before. Not enough people and I personally don't think we're ever going to be able to have enough people to fight the way we currently fight. Uh, Lack of uh, automation, not using automation to fight a very highly automated threat. Uh, That is the way that you save your people for only what people can do and use machines to do what machines can do better than people. Uh, Number three, inability to communicate risk in terms of the business or the mission. Uh, and I think the, a lot of the security professionals are getting better at being able to integrate that into uh, the mission, the discussions about the mission and the, and the business model. Um, I'm also hearing that um, th- a concern uh, or a challenge about increasing attack surface, especially with regard to the Internet of Things and in the services, uh, weapon systems, and mission platforms. So it's a bigger challenge just in terms of scope. And then finally, increasing complexity and the lack of ability to orchestrate all these security tools in an environment. Those are the challenges. For the solutions, the best practices, what we hear is there there are four essential things. Complete visibility in your environment. Reducing the attack surface through network segmentation and identification of mission, mission critical systems and networks. Stopping all known bad things and discovering unknown bad things and turning that into security controls very, very rapidly. If you can do those four things and do them consistently in all environments, you're in a pretty good position.
1: You might become the federal chief information security officer if you can do all all of those things. All right, in the time (coughs) remaining that we have, we've got about 10 minutes left. I want to get a sense of your vision of the future and uh, what you hope to really, you know, get done in the big picture. So once again, we'll start with Brigadier General Barrett of U.S. Cyber Command.
2: Okay, so the vision is going to be to anticipate and identify technological changes, um, leverage emerging technology, um, and innovate faster than malicious cyber actors, uh, but we've got to do it at scale uh, for a global enterprise, and, and this will preserve our operational agility in cyberspace. Um, I think defense is absolutely possible in this ever-changing terrain, Um, but it is temporal and we cannot be complacent.
1: So it sounds like you would really like to make sure that all of this is deployed in a way that you get that accurate picture so someone doesn't say, I'm 75% sure that 75% of the enemy is mostly cleared out of here.
2: Yeah, but it, it, it has a date-time group, and, and um, I think you can be good today, and then uh, something else happens tomorrow, and you've got to be ready for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, they say the government is always behind the threat, but it's always the same distance behind the threat, which means you're moving in the, in the right direction, but so is the, uh, so is the enemy. Uh, Jeff Eisensmith, Homeland Security. So, so the vision that I have um, is one where
3: uh, through the through data collection and, an, and analytics, like with continuous diagnostics and, and mitigation, you have great granularity, great fidelity in the data that you're seeing. Combine that with the cyber kill chain, get to a place where um, a round goes downrange, you can immediately see Was the payload targeted towards the box it hit? And if the answer is yes, well, then all hands run. And if not, you can keep your op tempo at what it should be. Uh, And then lastly, uh, continue working that data into the cybersecurity model so we can continue to make smart investments because the money is finite. You've got to really know how to spend that next dollar.
1: Yeah, that's a recurring theme. That next dollar and spending it in a way that buys you the most, and nobody has enough money, and no you way. don't know when you're going to get the next round of money. Anyhow, which is, a, is something we all live under. Ron Pontius of the Army.
4: So, um, on the the normal DoD operation side, that we the vision is that we have our soldiers and our civilians who operate and defend the the Army's portion of the DoD and the Department of. Defense information network, to have that defense in depth and and that it is at a level uh, that is good security, uh, good hygiene that that like like John talked about. And the second is, it really is about where we are now as the Army. We stood up uh, a new branch in the Army, the Cyberspace Operation Branch. It is, it is, uh, as Maria said, we, on the active duty side, we are at, at, uh, we're, we're absolutely moving into readiness. It's, we're long past the build, and we're also building some additional capacity with our reserve component. But that is a highly trained force to be able uh, to move with speed uh, and agility with the adversaries. And it's not just of a reactive nature, but to get ahead. Ahead of it. And that's the vision, uh, the things we can do to raise our posture um, and, and make sure that mission assurance for our Army weapon systems is just how we do business. Okay, so that's the Army and the Department of the Navy. Dr. Lang?
6: I would like to see us have the capability to exploit our big data and so that it's more useful to us. Uh, like the Army, we have a lot of data and it could bring a lot of benefit if we could get the right artificial intelligence and the right analysis in place for it. I would also like to see the cybersecurity controls put closer to the data Mm. so it would give more (coughs) value specifically to what we need to do and not necessarily to uh, parts of uh, the infrastructure that are not necessarily the most important at the time. And I would uh, like to see us make more progress in ensuring that our systems are resilient enough to fight through a cyber-contested environment. Uh, We've made progress there. There's still a way to go. So those are the things I would like to see.
1: Okay, yeah, and so you also, I guess, what you said relates to the idea that John had, which is reducing that attack surface through keeping the data and the tools close together, and you're right there where you need to be. Uh, Even as you have a, a total operational picture, you still need to be granular.
6: Absolutely. All
1: right. On the industry side, vision for the future, Will, uh, I'm sorry, Craig uh, Bowman of Verizon.
5: So I'll try not to play cyber buzzword bingo and throw out a bunch of words that we've all heard before. And a lot of the folks have already covered some of the things that I'll say. But That might be good, though. One it might be. For one of cyber bingo, we'll try that afterwards. cyber buzzword bingo, we'll throw it on the table. Um, so I think that if I look in, for your listeners, if we look at the industry, right, we started off with vendors, <clears throat> and then we started getting products, and then, Maybe if we got pretty good at it, we got solutions. And that's, way, that's the way the industry's been going. And right now, we have choices between vendors and so, uh, products and solutions. I think if I look in the future, we're going to see that move into utility. Uh, and a perfect example is what we're doing at DHS uh, with the MTIPS program, right? That's where you take cyber and it begins to move to utility. And if we go even further out, eventually we get to assurance that's where the SLAs start actually having cyber written in, like assurance of cyber written into the SLAs. I think if I look in the future, um, that, and if we look at the industry now, before Volvo, uh, nobody thought of safety as a, as a feature within, within the automobile industry. So that's what we're gonna see in the cyber industry. And then the second thing, really quickly, is something that uh, John covered, is Verizon is the number one military employer, and we started a program bringing military in where the military pays their salary but they sit and operate in our environment and then they go back to their home office so that they take what they learned and they go back uh, to, to the military. I'd like to see that program formalized so that we can have that open door exchange policy between industry and, mil- and federal and federal and industry.
1: Okay, last two comments. John Davis will go first with you.
7: I think the key to success in the future is innovation. Um, our CEO is the chair of a committee on the INSTAC, the National Security Telecommunication Advisory Council. It's a presidential advisory council that's been around since the Reagan era. And he's in charge of a White House approved effort that's called the Cybersecurity Moonshot. And what this is about is it's about a government-led but a public-private- academic uh, effort to galvanize the nation and to essentially make the Internet secure in, in 10 years. Uh, the, uh, the effort is designed in different phases. There are some capabilities that are available now that we're just not using effectively, like machine learning, better use of uh, automation, um, the cyber threat intelligence uh, that I talked about earlier, doing that at scale and speed and uh, one thing my company's involved in is a a open application program interface concept where you know I mentioned we're sitting on all this threat telemetry we're gonna open up that telemetry to companies including competitors who want to build APIs to plug into that data and do innovative things. Then there are some f- more futuristic concepts like artificial intelligence, quantum com- computing. So this is an effort that I think is, is really about changing our current approach, which is incremental change, where we're not keeping up with the threat, to where we're really jumping out in and in getting ahead of the threat uh, within the next 10
8: years. OK, Tom Topping, you get the final word. I'm very optimistic about the future. Um, what we're seeing is uh, some leaders are beginning to focus on uh, something that, that Craig mentioned, and that was the amount of time that, uh, that an adversary can live inside the environment before they're detected and, and the organization responds to it. And we see in, in some places that, that measurement coming down to minutes, and I think that's the goal here. Really what we have to do is we have to be completely on top of what the bad guy's doing today, and we have to get that intelligence back into the product in minutes. And um, that, therefore, that's gonna drive an immense amount of automation and integration, and we're seeing that already across the board. And that'll enable organizations to better predict what our adversaries are going to do next. And, and really, I think that's where we're all going is, how do we move from a very reactive uh, position into a much more proactive and, and, and predictive uh, uh, capability? And uh, you know, stop playing the whack-a-mole game and start hunting in the, in the network for what we think the bad guy's going to be uh, doing today.
1: All right, well thank you all very much for some great input. I guess what we've learned is that situational awareness, speed of response, speed of mitigation, and also being able to respond in a granular and fine-grained way to the lowered attack surface that we hope to accomplish are really key priorities for the coming year. Also the application of the data that we're getting from our networks much more, uh, with much more adroitness. Also the application of machine learning uh, could be one of the innovations that will help us get in front of the enemy once and for all and stay there when it comes to cybersecurity. I want to thank you all very much for a great discussion. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum, federalnewsradio.com and Federal News Radio, 1500 AM.
0: Thank you for listening to the 2018 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM, proudly celebrating 13 years. This show was produced by the Treza Media Group. If you missed any portion of the show, you can listen to it in its entirety and on to at federalnewsradio.com.